Go Chiefs. <clears throat> All right, are you ready for a supernatural adventure? Today's scripture is the stuff of scary movies. But let me set up the scene before we actually talk about it. Jesus is in Capernaum, and they're going to go across the lake. And last week, Matt Jaderston told us that a storm rose up and that the disciples were really afraid of the wind and the waves, and then Jesus calms the storm, and then the disciples are more afraid of Jesus. Well, now we're going to read about some people who are also afraid of Jesus' display of power. So we're going to read from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. So let's keep the scripture in front of us because I'm going to teach this passage verse by verse. So verse 1, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. So uh, you can see it on the map. That region of the Gerasenes is a, a Greek area of Palestine. It's uh, Gentile. And Peter, and I really think this is Peter's gospel. You know, we call it the gospel of Mark, but Mark is Peter's secretary. So Peter's giving us a clue, you know, that Jesus's mission will include not only Jews, but the Gentiles as well. Verse 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, 
a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now in Mark, that word for evil spirit is unclean spirit. There's another passage in Luke where the same story is told, and so Mark and Luke, they form a parallel passage. In the Luke account, the word there is demonized, demoniazo, and there are degrees to demonization. It's a spectrum. On a scale of one to ten, one is being tempted by the evil one. A 10 means the demon has total control over you. Five would be the demon exercise control of you some of the time, and then there's uh, anywhere along that scale. This man is a 10 out of 10. Verse three, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he often had been chained hand and foot and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So the man had supernatural strength, and people would hear him during the day and during the night, his cries coming from the cemetery, just howls in the night. And the demons moved this man to cut himself with stones. Demons are always pushing people towards self-destruction is what they do. Verse six, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said, come out of this man, you evil spirit. So before the man fell at Jesus' feet, Jesus had already seen him and said to the man, or to the demon, come out of the man, you evil spirit, or you unclean spirit. And the demon does not go. Not all demons leave easily. Remember, uh, there's a story where the disciples try to cast a demon out of a man, and the disciples cannot. So finally, Jesus comes and casts a demon out of the man, and the disciples say, well, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus says, well, this kind only comes out with uh, much prayer and fasting. So this man has a very stubborn demon, and they resist leaving the person. When I was at seminary at Fuller, I took a class in world missions. Everyone in that class was a future missionary except me, but I was interested in missions, and I took the class. And there was a lecture that we had in the class about the demonic. The professor, Charles Kraft, was saying that you guys are going to go into the mission field. You will encounter the demonic there, and so you need to be prepared for it. And so he taught us how to recognize demonic activity, how to deal with it. And then he said, if after the class you want to continue, I will stay here for the next four weeks after class, and I will teach you about this. And so I, I stayed and went through the rest of those, those classes and lectures. So during that same time, I am the pastor of young adults, um, director of young adults at, at my church, and I'm having a, a retreat for our post-college uh, single people. And on the last night of the retreat, we've designed that part of the retreat to minister to each other in prayer. And one of the girls in the group says, Pastor Stan, something evil is in this room. I said, Marla, come on. 
And there's just, you know, there's the, the whole groups there, like 35, 40 people. And she goes, no, a shadow has come into this room. It is evil. I sensed it. I saw it. I want you to do something about it. And I said, are you sure it wasn't like a moth that passed through the light? And she goes, no, it's a shadow. It's here. I insist you do something about it. So I think, okay, I'm just going to get her off my back, right? I think, I'll just do what Charles Kraft taught me in that class. So I say, in the name of Jesus, if there's any representative of the evil one here, I command you in the name of Jesus to manifest yourself. And three of the kids start screaming. So now I'm like, oh, now what do I do? I go, I'll just do what they taught me in class. So I go to one and I say, in the name of Jesus, you evil spirit, come out of him. And he stops screaming. I go to this young lady, in the name of Jesus, come out of him. And she stops screaming. I go to this other girl, and she's screaming. I go, in the name of Jesus, come out of her, and she continues to scream. I say, in the name of Jesus, you wicked spirit, come out of her. And now she starts to writhe and, and, and like convulse on the floor, and, and I'm just getting, making no headway. So finally, I say, in the name of Jesus, be quiet. And she quieted down. All the people at the retreat are like, ah. <laughs> So then after the retreat, um, oh, by the way, those two that manifested the demons and the demon came out, they were brand new believers. And I've since discovered that if you have a demon before you come to Jesus, you still have a demon after you come to Jesus. It has to be dealt with. This girl was an unbeliever. So afterwards, we explained to her the gospel. We go, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus. And then, so she prayed to accept Christ and then we started to ask about her life, and we discovered that she was into necromancy. She had seances with her friends, and she talked to the dead. And so that was the sin that the demon was attached to. And not until it's dealt with will the demon leave. So demons are like rats. They are attracted to garbage, and here's the garbage. Occult activity like Ouija boards, witchcraft, you know, talking to the dead, um, sexual abuse against a person can give a, a demon a foothold, bitterness harbored in your heart, deep-seated sin, all these things give the devil a handhold on your life so that when you try to cast them on, they actually have a grip on your life and they won't go until the attachment is dealt with and repented of. So this man has a, a stubborn demon. The spirit causes the man to fall at Jesus' feet. The word there is proskuneo. We use the same word to bow before a king. We use the same word to bow before God in worship. This demon is bowing before Jesus, and the demon speaks through the man. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Have you come to torture me before it's time? Notice the demon knows exactly who Jesus is. He knows his name. He knows who he is, the son of the most high God. The demon has good theology. He knows that God is triune and that Jesus is his son. He also knows that Jesus has authority over him and that Jesus has come to destroy the works of the evil one. 
And this demon expresses a fear of being tortured. What's he afraid of? Is Jesus going to waterboard him? Is Jesus going to make him watch hours of the impeachment trial? (laughs) In Luke's parallel passage, the demon says, have you come to torture me before our time? Have you come to send us to the abyss? So that's what the demon is afraid of. He's afraid of being sent to the abyss. The abyss is a place where demons are eternally bound and forever disembodied. That means they don't have bodies there and demons like to have bodies. They fear that place and they don't want to go there. Luke mentions that place in his parallel passage. The abyss is also mentioned in Revelation 9:11, where at the end of the age, demons are released and come up from the abyss. Verse nine, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And the demon answers, my name is Legion, for we are many. This man has more than one demon. He has a lot of them. And it's possible for a person who is demonized to have several demons. And now we know why it was so difficult to cast the demon out of this man because he has a stronghold of demons inside of him. Verse 10, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Demons do not like to be disembodied. They like to live in bodies. And there are several reasons why this could be. They're somewhat speculative, and I won't go into all those speculations, but there is a passage in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, that um, kind of gives some support to this. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places. This is places outside of a body seeking rest, and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there, and the final condition of that man is worse than the first. This is the condition the man is in. He cannot be worse off. Verse 11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons say, and notice there's a pronoun change, send us among the pigs. Let us go into them. They've revealed, yes, yes, here were many demons. They're terrified of being... uh, sent to the abyss and being disembodied, and so they negotiate with Jesus. Don't send us into the abyss. Just let us go into the pigs, and we'll leave the man and leave him alone. And Jesus cares about the man. And so he says in verse 13, he gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. Now, why would Jesus do this? It's because he cared about the man. He had so many demons in him that, you know, demons always put up a fight. They probably would have killed this man coming out of him. 
In Mark chapter 9, verse 25 through 27, we're going to read a story about Jesus casting a demon out from a, a young boy. Mark describes the scene. Jesus said to the evil spirit, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and he came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. That's one demon. This man had a legion. Legions a thousand to six thousand. And so Jesus was saving his life. And the demons, knowing they had met their match, leave the man and go into the pigs. Now, the herd of pigs was about 2,000 in number. That's a lot of pigs. They went hog wild and rushed into the, the, the lake and were drowned. Now, why did Jesus let that happen? Oh, Jesus lets all kinds of things happen. He lets you sin. He lets you be difficult. He would even let you root for the 49ers. We might also ask, why did the demons do that to the pigs? Were they not destroying their own habitation? Here's what I think happened with the pigs. Demons learn how to control their hosts. They learn how. It's like a pilot who knows how to fly and he gets into an airplane he's never flown before and he has to learn how to fly that airplane. He's learning how to control it, how to handle it. In fact, if you move to another airplane, you have an instructor go with you to teach you how to control the airplane. Demons learn how to control you. These demons, there's a lot of them. They go into the pigs, there's a lot of them. I don't know if there's a correspondence of 2,000 and 2,000, but enough demons go into the pigs where they go crazy and just run off the cliff and they're drowned. Now you can imagine, verse 14, that those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. Can you imagine seeing this scene? So they run to town and say, you won't believe what happened. And the people come out. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed. Luke says he was naked. Dressed and in his right mind. And they, the crowd, were afraid. The people were afraid of the power of Jesus. It was like the singing on the lake in the passage before. The people are afraid of the storm. But then when Jesus calms the storm, they're more afraid of Jesus. These people were not afraid of the demon-possessed man. They might have been. But now they're more afraid of Jesus. They also don't even care about the man. They're not even rejoicing that the man is delivered. Verse 17. 
Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. Here they had the Son of God in their midst. He had come to deliver and heal, and they wanted him to go away. Instead of giving him the, sea, the, the keys of the city, they give him a cold shoulder. But I've seen this happen in churches, where the church prays, Lord, we love you. Lord, come. Make yourself present in our midst. And then God comes with power. Perhaps someone has hands laid on them and they're healed and the Spirit manifests himself in another way and some will rise up and say, wait a minute, this can't happen here. We've got to prevent this from happening here. Here's what they're really saying. We want just a little bit of you, Jesus. Enough to make us comfortable. Not enough to change our lives. Not enough to change the way things are. It's like they're saying to Jesus, come here, kitty, kitty, kitty. And then the Lion of Judah shows up, and it's like, go away. We don't want you here. The townspeople don't want Jesus around. They beg him to leave, and he leaves. Jesus does not work where he is not welcomed. We need to welcome the work of Jesus in our lives. We need to welcome Jesus before we walk with him and even when we walk with him. C.S. Lewis recalls the imagery of this story in describing his life before his conversion. Here's what he writes. I was a zoo of lusts a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, and a harem of fondled hatreds. My name was Legion, and I was afraid of Christ. Verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus wants him to be restored to his family. Imagine this man's family. He had become unmanageable. They had written him off. He was living in a cemetery. He was shameful to them. Jesus wants him to go back and be restored to his family. He wants that man to tell his family, this is what the Lord did for me. He wants him to tell everyone what the Lord did for him, that the Lord showed him mercy. Has God ever done anything for you? Has he ever revealed himself to you? Has he ever spoken to you? Have any of you ever been healed? Did God do a great work of redemption in your life? Go ahead and write that down. I left a little bit of space after the scripture in your worship folders. Go ahead and write it down. It's a good exercise. Write down something the Lord did for you.
Okay, now I want you to share that, if you're willing, with someone else in the congregation. Do it right now. Tell them this is what the Lord did for me. Find someone. You can move seats. You can move around. Tell someone. Okay, you have a testimony and Jesus wants you to tell other people about it. Now you may not have a testimony as amazing as this man with the demons, but who wants that kind of testimony? If you asked my kids, Hey, share with me your testimony. My kids are going to say something like, I was born into a Christian family. My parents talked to me about the Lord since the day I was born. They raised me in the church. There's never been a day when I have not known Jesus. That, too, is a testimony, a testimony of great grace and mercy. Our passage ends with verse 20. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. The Decapolis is a group of 10 cities near that region where that man was. They were Greek colonies. They spoke Greek. They were very Greek and very Gentile. But this man went to all those cities and told people what Jesus had done for him. People listened and were amazed. He was a missionary. He went from the end of the cemetery to the end of the county line. If he was a member at Eastminster, he'd go from the end of the street to the ends of the earth. But he told people his story, and they were amazed. Notice no seminary, no formal training, He had met Jesus. He had experienced Jesus' work in his life. And Jesus had saved him. That was testimony enough. And he told others about it. Now, later on in the book of Mark, we'll come to Mark chapter 7, verse 31. It happens several weeks, maybe a few months after this event. We're going to read that Jesus goes to the region of the Decapolis, and he is met there by a crowd. They bring to him a man who needs to be healed, so they've heard about him and knows what he can do. They sit and listen to him teach, and after he teaches them, he multiplies bread and fish, so they have something to eat. And Mark says the crowd numbered around 4,000. 
That's a Gentile region. How did they get a crowd of 4,000? It was this man telling everyone he knew about Jesus. From time to time, I'll ask people, what's your favorite barbecue place? They'll say, oh, Hog Wild, Billy Sims, Bite Me. I was uh, with some fellow pastors in the EPC a few weeks ago, and we asked the pastor from Memphis what his favorite barbecue place was because we're going to be having General Assembly in Memphis this summer. And us pastors are always interested in what there is to eat in that city. So we asked him, you know, what, what places could eat at? He goes, are you guys talking pork? And he goes, yeah, we're talking pork. And he goes, well, then you've got to go to Central or Rendezvous. We talk to people about barbecued pigs. Are we telling them about Jesus? Talk about Jesus. Some will be amazed. Some will believe and be saved. And you will have had a role in the deliverance that Jesus brings. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you that you've acted in our lives. We've experienced your mercy. And we're grateful and we thank you. We remember the pit and the desperation we were in and the place of mercy you've brought us to. Thank you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would use us to tell others about you. In our own hearts, we say, Lord, use me. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you'll show us when and what to say. We're going to pray for those who are in a desperate situation now. We hold them up before you. We say, Lord Jesus, deliver them. Some are being hassled by the evil one. And there's degrees of struggle and oppression. Lord, we pray that you would set them free. Even now we pray this and ask this in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, we're going to give gifts so that messengers may be sent out to tell people what you have done. Pray these gifts are blessed and that your word indeed goes out to the ends of the earth. We pray that you would do this. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus, amen.